0: This is the Education Exchange with Paul Peterson. I am the senior editor at Education Next. Thank you for joining us. Florida is the nation's premier state for school choice. Charter schools abound. Tax credit scholarships are opening up private schools to low-income students. Voucher programs are available for those in special need. Within Florida, Miami-Dade County Public Schools rank alongside New Orleans as the country's school choice leader. The system offers an ever-expanding choice of students to schools throughout the district. It also is the district that leads urban schools across the state and across the nation in its ability to teach those from disadvantaged social and ethnic backgrounds. And not coincidentally, It has one of the longest, if not the longest, serving big city superintendent in the United States, Alberto Carvalho, who has been the superintendent of the Miami-Dade Public Schools for 14 years. Well, I'm delighted to have Superintendent Carvalho with me on the education exchange today. So thank you for joining us, Superintendent Carvalho.
1: It's always a pleasure, Dr. Peterson, to uh, share some ideas and engage in a very robust conversation about the issues that matter in the lives of uh, students across America.
0: Well, we're gonna cover a few of them here, but let me start with the school choice efforts that you are continuing to expand within the school district uh, this fall, despite uh, having to deal with all of the challenges of the pandemic. So how many students are attending choice schools? How many choice schools are there? What's the state of play?
1: So as you know, uh, going back to 2008, we made uh, a decision, a strategic decision to not shy away from the competition of uh, publicly offered and supported choice, rather uh, lead it. And uh, since that time, we've added in excess of 1,000 choice programs across Miami-Dade at all grade levels, elementary, middle, senior K-8 centers, focused on magnet programs, non-magnet career uh, pathways, Single-gender schools and certainly charter schools, including a brand new prototype of a school governance, which represents a hybrid model of governance uh, associated with district-managed schools, uh, charter schools. Uh, what that means is that we are the management entity of the school system, and these charter schools are charter schools with independent boards, but they receive services provided by Miami-Dade County Public Schools. Uh, the the wide spectrum of interest specific to school choice options ranges from uh, arts. Uh, we're talking about performing arts, visual arts, um, a big emphasis and growth over the past few years uh, in STEM and STEAM related uh, areas of learning. Uh, engineering, robotics, cybersecurity, uh, International Baccalaureate, Cambridge, you name it, there's something for everyone. Uh, we are a district that prizes its portfolio approach of options for students and compared to where we were back in 2008 where roughly 30% of our student population. Uh, was taking advantage of high quality uh, educational options today uh, 75% of our 330,000 students uh, are enrolled in programs of their own choice and, as you correctly stated our performance in terms of state accountability, but equally important as a better gauge of comparing our performance to other districts in the country, NAPE performance, the National Assessment of Educational Progress, as far as fourth and eighth grade reading and math, uh, positions Miami-Dade very favorably when compared to other urban centers across America, but also when compared to suburban areas uh, in our country. So,
0: the- Key to school choice within a district is the principal. Uh, If you don't have strong leadership at the school level, uh, the autonomy that the school has really doesn't have a point to it. So, how do you ensure that you have strong principals in your choice schools? That uh, principals who can take advantage of the uh, opportunity to exercise discretion uh, without central Uh, dictation. Right. I think you're absolutely right. Uh, So we look at principals
1: as the captains of our industry. Uh, Obviously, their direct supervisor is not in the same building as they are, which is a favorite position uh, to be in. Uh, Secondly, uh, we have over years been very careful and determined in uh, qualifying the criteria that positions candidates for the principalship they must be instructional leaders, they must be data-driven professionals. They need to have the courage to do that which is right, and they need to embrace choice as a moral imperative that drives the work. And if they meet that criteria, they land in a position of uh, principalship. Uh, Now, they actually have the ability to request choice programs for their schools. And about 50% of the choice programs we deploy to schools are based on school specific requests for those programs to be deployed to their schools. Uh, We obviously have a responsibility, a centralized office, to ensure equity of access to students to a diverse portfolio of choices. So we have our district, which is a very large county, divided into quadrants specific to zip codes, and we ensure that every single quadrant has a representation of viable, high quality, school options available to students in those areas. What we don't want is a choice that is sometimes seen in certain areas in a country where you have a handful of very high quality choice options that require students to be on a bus two to three hours every single day. Choice closer to where students live is the best type of high quality choice. So yes, we're very determined about the the qualities and the criteria the professional criteria that we believe results in successful expansion of choice and consequently um, very, very solid academic gains in all areas by our
0: students. Well, inevitably parents are gonna think that one school is especially attractive and they all wanna get into that school or a few schools will be like that. How do you sort things out when more applications come in than a school can actually uh, accept?
1: So actually, uh, in Miami Data, I think we have come up with a very, um, very good and elegant solution for this conundrum of demand, excessive demand for any one quality program, which is usually the case. I mean, if you look at Boston, New York, are two city school systems where you see a handful of schools drawing a great deal of interest, and you always have a huge waiting list of students trying to get in, and they never make it in creating all kinds of uh, uh, political and and real equity issues in those communities. So over the years, we've perfected the process of actually understanding what the demand for any one program, any one choice option, any one type of schooling and and replicating, amplifying, and franchising the most successful programs and uh, deploying those options Into areas where they don't exist that have the highest number of families actually petitioning for uh, entrance into those programs. I'll give you one concrete example. Mast Academy has, for about 35 years, been one of the highest performing schools in Miami Dade. It is an all magnet school oriented around maritime um, science programming. And for about 35 years, it was the only such school listed every year as one of the best high schools in america on the u.s news and world report list of best schools but it is a highly inaccessible school it was built on key biscayne you have to go through a toll a bridge to get to it if you live in homestead which is the deep south of our county or close to the Broward county line you will be on the bus for two to three hours every single day it is not fair it's not right you're limiting access so what we did do is in just a short period of time we franchised three additional mass academies and let me tell you how non-traditional this deployment was one we occupied we took hold of a decommissioned hospital building we used the facilities as laboratories for the creation of a mass health oriented program we created one in a an old middle school in highly a predominantly Cuban American community that is focused on astronomy, physics, and hard mathematic uh, concepts. We created one in partnership with Florida International University, the only high school that we opened physically opened this year uh, on campus of Florida International University focused on environmental science as well as a number of other areas. All of a sudden, we decentralized uh, MAST, we franchise it out to where the demand was, and that's how we deal with this conundrum that districts often face, where the demand for some of these programs exceeds the seating capacity. What's wrong with reinventing existing schools, decommissioning programs and options that are not as viable, and uh, and increasing those uh, that reflect
0: a great deal of parental uh, interest? Well, how do you deal with the collective bargaining agreement? Uh, often these agreements in many cities really limit the amount of choice that you can give, the amount of variety, the, the way you can organize a school day. There's so many rules and regulations that really doing something that really offers parents a lot of flex, uh, flexibility in what they want for their child just can't be done because you have right. that bargaining agreement. How, how do you manage that? Sure. So
1: for the better part of 14 years, the time span, uh, very long time span of my superintendency, we really have had a very collegial and very um, interactive relationship with the uh, collective bargaining units, so particularly the teachers union. Now, uh, Florida uh, is a right to work state. Uh, but I can tell you that uh, uh, I can tell you that we have never experienced a pushback from organized labor in terms of our determined a will to expand dramatically choice options for students. Uh, In fact, uh, I believe that the teachers union and other bargaining units have embraced this concept because they see in it as the best chance of competing with other entities that provide uh, equally viable educational solutions for students. Uh, Secondly, uh, it is not an issue that requires bargaining. It is uh, a leadership right uh, based on interaction with our elected school board to deploy new programs uh, for the benefit of our students. It is not an issue that needs to be bargained, that needs to be uh, collectively addressed with labor unions. With that said, we do inform uh, the labor partners about uh, new programs. And obviously, the vast majority of individuals who will populate those positions in these new programs, our teachers who belong to that bargaining unit. So it has not been a contentious uh, evolution Uh, But at the same time, I have to say that we have not engaged in the collective bargaining process for elements that do not require uh, a negotiation.
0: So this has been a difficult last couple of years. And uh, there's been a lot of disruption to the system. Uh, Have you lost a lot of students to the, I mean, there's a lot of choice in Florida. And there's charters and there's the tax credit program. How are you maintaining your enrollment in this very uh, unusual environment? Sure. So competition
1: is strong in the state of Florida. But if you have viable, uh, attractive programs that meet the demands of parents, then you're a viable school system. We have seen, obviously, over the past 18 months, much like across the country, a a, a downward trend, particularly at the earlier grades, parents holding back their pre-K students and kindergarten students. Uh, More than ever before, we saw a significant uh, decrease in memberships to the membership, particularly in the earlier grades. We saw the same phenomenon happening with our local uh, charter schools. Uh, You know, we manage close to 400 schools, 134 uh, charter schools in Miami-Dade, and the loss of FT, the loss of membership, particularly at the earlier grades, was seen across both forms of governance, traditional as well as charter. The beneficiaries uh, were private school entities, and this was mainly uh, the result of a significantly expanded uh, scholarship program available in the state of Florida, otherwise known as vouchers. That look at uh, viable options for parents of students with disabilities, but also transfer provisions on the basis of academic performance of certain schools uh, in each county. Uh, what we're seeing now three weeks into this new school year is that slowly but surely a lot of students are coming back but we do know that in miami-dade actually miami-dade broward palm beach and the south florida community there has been a loss of students who also did not opt into a different program they left the the communities altogether they left the state and in some cases they actually left the country May be driven by, uh, you know, economic pressures, workplace pressures, uh, as well as other factors, inclusive of immigration status.
0: This is a a pandemic operating in a political environment, and you have a very active governor who has very strong opinions on school policy, and your school board doesn't necessarily agree with the governor on every issue out there. So, there's there's vaccinations, there's masks, there's a lot of a lot of issues out there. How do you manage the uh, inevitable differences of opinion?
1: You know, in an environment where, unfortunately, uh, the crisis is mainly a political crisis, it's not necessarily, uh, you know, based on the health concerns of students or the academic needs of the students. And it is, to a certain extent, in my opinion, a manufactured crisis that serves the political interests of some, but not necessarily necessarily the educational and health needs of, of students. I think the only way to navigate those uh, those dangerous waters is by being well-grounded on, uh, uh, on scientific principles, the advice of medical and public health experts, and that's what we as a school system do. Uh, over a year ago, we convened a task force uh, composed of experts in the areas of medicine, public health, pediatric care, Immunology, epidemiology, some of the best minds in the country that advise the protocols that we have in place in Miami Dade County Public Schools. It has not been easy, but I can tell you that we have emerged from each one of these meetings with unanimous support for the protocols that we are following. Uh, obviously, uh, there are some thoughts in Tallahassee that disagree with some of the premises and protocols we have in place, but the Tallahassee, at the same time, I believe, is understanding. That there are regional and environmental and health differences between what takes place in a highly dense area like miami-dade versus central florida which is much more rural or uh, the panhandle of florida and uh, mandates that require the same set of protocols regardless of varying degrees of covid 19 impact are usually not good uh, so we are negotiating through the legal process also through communications with tallahassee As conditions improve to relax the current protocols and I can tell you I'm proud of where our community is at this point 98% of those who are eligible for a vaccine have been vaccinated at least with one dose of the vaccine. We are reaching 70% of kids between the ages of 12 and 17 who have received at least one dose of the vaccine. We may be very well the very first large cosmopolitan area in America that will reach not only herd immunity, but pretty close to 100% vaccination so. There is no crisis in our schools. We have a system of over 330,000 students. We've only had 79 parents petitioning us for medically endorsed accommodations for their children as far as masks are concerned. There is no crisis in terms of school management. The protocols are in place. This is an issue that, quite frankly, sells newspapers, gets people headlines on CNN and TV stage time, but does not in any way, shape, or form. Help us with the acceleration of every kid towards their full academic potential in light of the unfinished learning that they have experienced over the past
0: eighteen months. So, how many hospitalizations of of uh, students have you experienced this this fall? I mean, I, there is one thing about COVID infections. There's another thing about hospitalizations, or serious illnesses. How how many of those have you had? So, we're in our third week.
1: Uh, we're in our third week of uh, this school year. And we have seen, consistent with uh, national data, a significant increase, certainly over the past two weeks alone, a 27% increase in the hospitalization of uh, of children uh, admitted into pediatric care. Vast majority um, um, of these individuals, obviously, uh, will have a short stay in a hospital. Uh, few of them uh, will actually necessitate intensive care. But we have seen an increase. I cannot quantify it. Uh, for you other than the percentage increase of the cases of report to the hospital, because uh, in accordance with uh, HIPAA regulations and privacy laws, parents are not compelled necessarily to tell us that their child was hospitalized. What we do get is uh, for any one individual who was hospitalized or simply had contact, was diagnosed with COVID-19, is a report from the Department of Health that certifies that in fact uh, this child it was diagnosed uh, with uh, COVID-19. And that number um, is right now for a system of our size at around 1,400 students district-wide out of 330,000 that have been diagnosed with COVID-19. These are, again, uh, any one individual from pre-K through 12th grade. Uh, Incidentally, uh, we have about 300 uh, professionals out of a workforce of uh, 48,000 that have been infected as well. So we are not at a crisis level. And I believe, uh, based on increased vaccination, uh, the methodical use of masks, intensive ionization, disinfecting, uh, uh, cleaning cycles of our schools, that uh, the trends that we're currently seeing uh, will actually be improved upon. So we see a significant decline in hospital bed usage a significant decline in ICU bed usage, a, uh, a significant decline in the overall positivity rate in our community, as well as the most important metric to us, which is a reduction in the number of cases of all ages of individuals infected per 100,000 residents. And look, uh, Dr. Peterson, that data point in the early part of June was at 76 cases per 100,000 residents. Uh, when we were opening our school system, that data point shot up to 760 cases per 100,000 residents. a tenfold full increase uh, in just a few weeks. We're now down to about 300 cases per 100,000, and that number is expected to actually uh, gradually reduce going to next week to a sweet uh, spot that we need to reach, which is at 100 cases or less per 100,000. Before we can relax the existing protocols,
0: well, maybe maybe uh, the move is is due to uh, uh, reaching herd immunity or approximating herd immunity. That that might be. Let's hope that that is actually what's happening.
1: I, I do believe, based on the conversations we have with our experts, that is the case. Increased vaccination, obviously, uh, is is the best way uh, to prevent the rampant uh, you know dissemination uh, of this contagion. And uh, we're seeing uh, that happening right here in Miami-Dade. Very high numbers of vaccination, good protocols in place. And uh, what we're seeing was not just a plateau of conditions, but actually a very favorable trend uh, of, uh, of uh, decreased uh, cases.
0: You know, you know, there's a strong record in Miami-Dade of, uh, of student performance uh, and improvements in student performance on the standardized achievement tests that have been around in Florida for a couple of decades or three decades, and you know, and, and Florida was a leader there, and, and and uh its ideas spread nationwide. Um and now the governor is proposing a change to move you know, last year. There wasn't any accountability because of the COVID pandemic, but now this year to, there's been a proposal to the legislature to move away from the the Procedures of the past, and instead go to uh, three times a year diagnostic testing. Right. So does that change your um, your your sense? Uh, will this make it difficult for you to assess how well uh, Miami-Dade is doing as compared to other parts around the country? So you're
1: absolutely right. For the better part of two decades, actually a bit longer, there's been a strong uh, accountability system uh, in place in the state of Florida. The one that we have navigated very well. But our navigation of the accountability system in the state of Florida, which by the way, has not been uh, uniquely uniform for that time period, it has shifted, you know, it began with FCAT standards, it, uh, it morphed then into uh, next generation standards, Florida standards, now to FSA, and with different uh, assessments throughout. The, we, the, the announcement that the governor made uh, this week is one that would see a necessary evolution from an end of year assessment, uh, which uh, reveals data academic data specific to students and schools that cannot be remediated that school year because it is published after the school year has ended. And his recommendation is to replace that one single assessment at the end of the year with three uh, assessments throughout the year that have a progress monitoring interest, allowing for the immediate recalibration of teaching strategy to address the needs of students. Uh, The governor believes that by shifting from one single exam to three uh, shorter timed exams throughout the year for the purpose of progress monitoring, we can reduce testing time by 75%. It seems like a good idea. It has received um, uh, support at all levels from teachers unions, from principals, from superintendents, school board members across the state, but the devil is in the details. And those details will not emerge until the next legislative session convenes in Tallahassee. So will all of the the promises that the governor made actually be revealed uh, and embedded in legislation that will actually implement this new accountability system? That remains to be seen and obviously we will remain vigilant about it. how that will impact Miami data. I think probably uh, it will impact us less in other districts. We already have very strong um, formative assessment systems in place that provide for progress monitoring, which is periodic throughout the year. We don't wait until the end of the year to find out how kids will do. Uh, Each quarter uh, we have interim assessments utilizing um, these, these systems, particularly eye reading and reading and mathematics that provide us with the information to be able to recalibrate not only how we're teaching, what we're teaching, but the level of support that students and schools need.
0: Well, I know you're busy. I won't hold you any longer. But I do want to ask you one question. In this very demanding past year, what gives you the greatest satisfaction, the, the, the uh, progress that you think uh, was accomplished despite everything? What do you take special pride in?
1: I take particular pride uh, in how resilient our community has been, particularly our community of educators. The fact that we distributed 125,000 devices into the hands of kids with appropriate virtual content, distributed in excess of 30 million meals uh, during during the time that schools were closed, providing for sustenance for our kids. But I'm uh, equally impressed by the fact that despite the challenge, despite the inconvenience, Despite the less than optimal teaching conditions, particularly for students who are learning online, our graduation rate still soared to its highest level ever at 93.1% that we are, uh, for three years in a row, an A-rated district. Now with 0F and 0D-rated schools, 100% of our schools are A, B, and C. With best-in-class performance as far as advanced placement nationally, with a disproportionate number of uh, schools rated as the best schools in America, in a US News and World Report uh, Best Schools in America. And last but not least, uh, with a strong reference in this new publication, Windows versus Mirrors by the Council of Great City Schools, that provides an analysis of NAEP data that positions Miami-Dade as having a greater district effect on its students in fourth and eighth grade reading and math than literally any other district in a country, and actually positioning us very favorably, even when compared to suburban America or private education America. And I think that's a lot of, uh, it's a lot of different points of success during a very tragic and disruptive time. But look, we have become our very best version of us during times of crisis, because we have leveraged the crisis as an opportunity to reinvent ourselves, and the pandemic was no different.
0: Well, thank you very much uh, for joining me on the Education Exchange. I have been speaking with Alberto Carvalho, superintendent of the Miami-Dade Public Schools. I am Paul Peterson. This is the Education Exchange. Thank you, Alberto, for joining me on the uh, podcast today. Thank you very much. It's always a pleasure. Please join me every Monday at noon when our weekly podcast is released on the Education X website.